If you have been joining us in person or online at any point over the last 12 or so weeks, you would know that we have been going through the E100 scripture readings, 100 of the essential passages of scripture that show us the arc of the story of the Bible, the story of everything. Two weeks ago, we hit a big milestone as we moved from the Old Testament to the New Testament, and we heard how Jesus' ministry was inaugurated with his baptism and temptation in the desert. We heard how Jesus called him his beloved son. Last week, we had an overview of the teachings of Jesus, and we heard from his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, and how he tells us, do not worry. And this week, we get a week on the miracles of Jesus. If you're reading along with the readings in the, old, in the 100 uh, series, you'll come across a nice array of miracles this week. You'll hear of the feeding of the 5,000. You'll hear of a healing of a blind man, an exorcism, raising Lazarus from the dead, and of course, our reading for today, Jesus walking on water. But to spend a full week in miracles puts us in the position of having to confront what we think and how we feel about them. On the one hand, every single week, we proclaim that we believe in the resurrection of the dead, and specifically that Jesus raised from the dead, the greatest miracle of all. On the other hand, miracles feel at the very least extremely rare, and I know for me personally, sometimes hard to believe in. There may be conflicting feelings for many people here and online. Maybe some of you are skeptical. Maybe you've never seen any sign or wonder and you feel like 18th century philosopher David Hume wrote that miracles are a violation of nature and don't make sense to believe in in the scientific age. Or perhaps you firmly believe in them and you lean more towards the view of Bishop Augustine from the fourth century who wrote that miracles are not contrary to nature, they're simply contrary to what is known of nature. Maybe you've experienced miracles in your own life or in the life of someone you know, and you have some pretty incredible stories to tell. Or maybe you theoretically believe in miracles, but when you needed one, it was nowhere to be found. Healing, deliverance from addiction, the provision of a job or a home for yourself or your friends or your family. And maybe that miracle just didn't appear no matter how much you prayed for it and you have struggled with grief and the feeling of betrayal with prayers that felt unheard. That can be a hard place to be in, especially hearing a passage like this this morning. And if that's you, my heart goes out to you. But wherever you find yourself this morning, my hope and my prayer is that Jesus will meet you, that he will come to you as he comes to the disciples walking on the water. So this story, walking on the water, did you notice it's actually a story within a story and a miracle within a miracle? There's the outer story, 
There's what's called a nature miracle, where Jesus demonstrates his authority over all creation. And unlike other miracles, unlike healings, for example, this one feels kind of unnecessary. It feels like Jesus actually put the disciples in a position where they needed to be rescued. He's the one who told them to get into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake. He's the one who sent them out in the evening and the waves got rough and the wind was fighting against them all night long and he waited until early morning until, to go to them. So here they are, tired. They've been struggling all night long against this, so, this strong wind. And just before dawn, Jesus comes walking towards them. It is not surprising that their reaction is terror. Put yourself in the situation for a moment. A strong wind all night long, exhausted people, darkness, it's dark out. It may be a glimmer of dawn, and maybe it's the light of that glimmer of dawn that makes them notice the figure walking in the distance where no one is supposed to be walking. From the biblical perspective and what the disciples would have grown up with, water is chaos. Water is dangerous, unruly, powerful, and unpredictable. And so anyone walking on water, therefore, either is a part of it and maybe a ghost like they thought, or master over it. But either way, terrifying. But Jesus doesn't waste a second in calming their fears. Just in the midst of one of the most frightening experiences of their lives, they receive one of the most encouraging statements in all of Scripture. Take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. It is I. In Greek, that translates into I am in Hebrew. The name that God revealed to Moses in the burning bush, I am. There are many miracle workers in the Bible. Think of the prophets, Elijah or Elisha, and some of them even raised people from the dead. Amazing miracles. Moses himself with the miracles um, throughout all of the Exodus. But all through the Bible, no one walks on water but God alone. Job 9 verse 8 says, God alone stretched out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. Or think of Psalm 107, which may have been looking forward to this exact story in this exact moment. They cried out to the Lord in their distress, and he brought them out of their trouble. He made the storm be still and the waves of the sea be hushed. Then they were glad because they had quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. In other words, who is this coming towards the disciples when circumstances are at their most chaotic and most frightening? It's God himself in the person of Jesus Christ, the only one who can subdue and overcome chaos. And the result is that Peter's faith is galvanized. For that moment, he understands that Jesus is Lord of all creation, that anything is possible, and he steps out of the boat to stand where no human aside from Jesus has ever stood. And that brings us to the inner story, 
The miracle not just of what God can do in creation, but what St. Augustine again calls the greatest miracle, what God can do with the human heart. We get to see one pivotal moment in the life of a very ordinary man, a fisherman, who will go on through experiences like this one to become the rock on which Christ will build his church. Verses 28 to 31 again. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So, Jesus got, or so Peter got out of the book. Sorry, so Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him. This is a great story. I love this story for the sheer humanity of it. We have Peter's audacity. Peter is an incredibly audacious person and willingness to risk something that no one has ever risked before. But we also have his total failure to carry it off. The way Peter took his eyes off Jesus at the pivotal moment and got distracted by the circumstances around him. Can't we relate? I can. It's so easy to lose focus, to start noticing all the things that are trying to shake our faith rather than to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. But then also, and equally as important as, G as Peter's first step out of the boat, his stepping out in faith, is his willingness to call on Jesus for help. Peter is being transformed bit by bit into the rock that Christ builds his church on. And it comes not just through taking steps of faith like this, but also equally important through learning that when his faith fails, Christ is there to catch him. I like to imagine that Jesus' words, you have little faith, why did you doubt, were said with a laugh as they both got back into the boat. So what do we do with this story? Well, for the early church, this was a very important story. The story is one of encouragement in the midst of persecution against Christians. For them, as they heard this story, and as it was being written, as the gospel was being written, the church was undergoing great persecution, was being battered, and the word battered in this story is the same word as tortured. And the word nave, the word the church is a nave here, and that word nave comes from the Latin word navis, meaning ship, an early Christian symbol for the church. So the church was the ship with the disciples being battered by the waves of persecution. And Jesus had ascended or gone up onto the mountain like in the story, and he wasn't there with them in the midst of persecution, but he came to them, and he delivered them, and he enabled great acts of faith with his presence with them. And so they took great strength from this story. And for us, what can we take from it? I think there are three things, and the first, is that to move from doubt to faith and doubt to faith and faith to doubt, 
that's normal for Christians. Theologian and Bishop Tom Wright says, this story can be read as a picture of the life of faith, or rather, the life of half-faith, faith mixed with fear and doubt, which is the typical state of so many Christians as it was for the disciples. Moments of strong faith, moments of doubt, both normal for the believer. But that leads to my second point, because in moments of doubt, in moments of failure, in moments where we have let ourselves and those we love and even God down, the best thing we can do is call out to Jesus. And this is counterintuitive, because usually shame gets in the way. And we want to either pretend we didn't do anything wrong or turn and run away. But look at Jesus' response to Peter. When Peter started sinking, when he took his eyes off Jesus, Jesus didn't look down on him and say, your lack of faith got you into this mess. You can flail for a bit before I rescue you. And maybe then you'll learn not to take your eyes off me. Jesus didn't do that. He immediately reached out his hand and caught him. The text doesn't give us this detail, but I like to imagine that Peter hadn't quite made it all the way to Jesus when his face started failing. And yet when he started sinking and cried out to him, Jesus was immediately there. There was no hesitation. There was no gap between Peter's faith failing and Jesus saving him. This is mercy in action. Jesus, our ever-present help in times of trouble, even trouble that we bring on ourselves. And finally, the third thing that we can take this morning, just as Jesus proved himself Lord over the chaos of the waters, so also he took on the chaos of sin and death on the cross and proved himself Lord of them by rising from the dead. And so he is always ready to trample down the chaos that tries to destroy us. The sin, the fear, the worry, and the doubt. Jesus is Lord over them. And he will not let us drown. All we need to do is say three little words. Lord, save me. And he is longing and ready to come to the soul in distress with healing, hope, and help. So take heart. The great I am is here in the midst of us, ready to save. Thanks be to God. Amen.